Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Friends, it is my honor to introduce our guest speaker today. Ryan and I don't normally have arguments or fight. You can ask our kids. Um, It's pretty calm in our house. But this week, we had a little disagreement on who got to introduce our guest speaker. And and friends, you can see who won. (laughs) Um, Mike and Jeannie O'Donnell have been friends and really close family friends for over 20 years. Mike was a, an elder at my dad's church in Deland. Jeannie was our business administrator. Um, we knew them before we had babies. Uh, they held our babies. They were, uh, listen, we were talking about it before, DJ, James. We were y'all's age when, when they came into our lives. And um, as I was over there thinking about just the friendship and the relationship that we've had with them, the thing that came to my mind was just faithful. Mike and Jeannie have been so faithful to God's house and to his service. When my family walked through one of the most horrific moments of our ministry, Mike and Jeannie stood with us. And that builds a bond that... um, we can't thank you enough for. So if you wouldn't mind, sorry. If you, see, this is why I won. I got very passionate about it. (laughs) If you wouldn't mind welcoming um, this morning, Mike O'Donnell to preach today. I love you, kid. Good morning. As she said, my name is Mike O'Donnell, and my better half is right there, and her name is Jeannie. I have known your pastor and pastors for, like she says, quite a long time. Um, I was talking to Michael, uh, Pastor Michael, about last night when we went to dinner together, and he says, I want to be the same person when I'm up front singing, as I am when I'm home, or I go out in the community, those two are the same. You've got a jewel here, and all these kids that, you know, they got, (laughs) and I'm sure that they're a blessing to this church too. Uh, How old are you, 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 you're what, 17 now? 18. Okay. <laughs> Jeannie and I just turned 74. I couldn't believe that one either. But um, I'm going to teach. I'm a teacher. I'm a Bible teacher. I'm, I'm not a, a pastor or a preacher. I'm more of a, like Jeannie said, we were in the service department of the church. Uh, we were there to help the pastoral team and to love people. And uh, what a wonderful occasion that was. Um, uh, back then, and 
we're, we're all still working for the Lord now. Now, let me get it. I'm going to teach you today out of the 28th chapter of the book of Matthew. If you have your Bibles, you can't go into battle without a plan. And you got a plan in your Bible. I am a Marine. I went in the Marine Corps when I was 17. And I got out when I was 20. Um, I think the, the old saying is, you, you, any Marines in here? I'm it, huh? Hurrah, brother. Once a Marine, always a Marine. And I'm sure it's the same with soldiers and sailors, and my dad was retired Air Force. Um, I like to tell this, and I'll, I'll hurry up because my time is getting short. I told him I wanted to go in the Marines. And he said, go in the Air Force like me. You get a trade or something when you get out. I said, I wanted to make something out of myself, Dad. <laughs> so I came out of the Marine Corps with two occupational specialties I could use in civilian life. One of them is I could be a police officer and the other is a hitman in the mafia. That was about it. <laughs> Thank the Lord that the Lord had different plans for me. Um, before we get going, I, I'd like for us to pray, and then I'll get into this uh, message for you. I want you to take this for heart, to heart, because if it's not for you, it won't get done. The battle will never be won unless uh, you participate in it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time that uh, we can meet together as brothers and sisters in Christ, that, uh, that we're in your army, that uh, you have chosen us to come and fight these battles, and you've commanded us to fight these battles, Lord. And I pray for everyone here. If there is one here today that is not sure that they know you, I pray that they would be moved upon by your spirit to come at the end of this presentation and accept you as their commander-in-chief. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. When I was in grade school, I grew up in a little place called Coal City, West Virginia. It was a, a coal mining town. All of my family were coal miners. And uh, one day I was at my grandmother's house, and I was sitting on her front porch, and I heard a voice from the house across the street said, Mike, come here. I got something for you. So I, I went across the street, and there was a guy, really old guy in his early 30s. <laughs> and he handed me some sergeant stripes. He had been a Marine and a chosen, frozen chosen brother, and he gave me his sergeant stripes. I don't know what I did with those sergeant stripes, but that encounter never left me. And then I'd see Marines at the bus station, and uh, man, did they look good in that uniform. Wow. And I was a little kid, you know, and um, my parents finally moved to Florida when I was um, in the eighth grade. The schools back then had Leatherneck magazines in the libraries, and I'd go and just look through them and study them and study them and study them. And I thought, hmm, maybe one of these days. I think I was predestined by God to be a Marine for a number of reasons. Not to go... No, he knew what I needed inside of me. I needed some reassurance and I needed some 
guidance. I needed some discipline in my life. And so when I was 17 years old, I graduated from high school on June the 6th and left for Paris Island, South Carolina on June uh, the 20th. And some very nice guys got on our bus at Paris Island. And they said, would you please get off the bus? And there's some yellow footprints out there. No, they used words I'd never heard before. Well, it didn't take long to learn them, but uh, we got off and got on the yellow footprints and come in and got in and they give us a haircut. And then we've got our drill instructors the next day. There's no crazier person in the world than a Marine Corps drill instructor. At least they make you think that anyway. So they started the training, and it was a couple of days after that, they marched us up to an athletic field, and there's some bleachers there. I want you to hear me on this. The colonel come out and looked up with all those young faces and said, this is what's going to happen your time at Paris Island, he explained the training, explained why. Because most of us would end up in combat. No more movies for John Wayne, no more the DI with Jack Webb, a movie that was done in 1954. None of that. It was all real. And he said this to me, and I never forgot it. And you need this in your spirit, especially in this time that we're living in today. He said, and some of you, when your platoon graduates, you will not be here. And I thought, I will be here. You feel that way about your experience with Jesus? God has put you in his army. And he's commanded you what to do and how to live. It takes discipline. So, the night before we graduated, one of my crazy DIs came up and got in the middle of the squad bay and said, school circle. Everybody got around and sat down. And he told us why they were so hard on us for those weeks, because he knew we were going into combat. And he said, we had to do this because you needed all this training to keep alive. You know, there's another thing. Let's see, we have, I love seeing biracial churches. Boys from Florida and Georgia went to Paris Island. You know where the rest of our battalion come from? I know you don't. New York City. Harlem. Spanish Harlem. The Bronx. Brooklyn. The Queens, you had Southern boys and Northern boys coming together because they knew when we got into combat, there's no race. Am I right, brother? The job of a Marine is to keep that Marine alive and that one alive. And his job is the same thing and to accomplish the mission. And one thing that drill instructor told me, he said, tomorrow when you graduate, You will be my brother. And boy, those young people screamed and hollered gung-hos and all of that. Boy, we'd never heard them speak to us that way. The next day, we fell out in our dress uniforms and our rifles and they inspected us. And then over the loudspeaker, it's 
uh, I, I guess it was the colonel said, congratulations, the, you are now United States Marines. And the Marine Corps band hit, from the halls of Montezuma. Oh man, oh man. I just barely turned 19 and I was on my way to Vietnam. We hit Da Nang, we landed in Da Nang, we were going to the terminal, and uh, as we were going to the terminal, I noticed all these army guys sitting down up against the wall, and they looked like they, you knew they'd just gotten out of the field. They were filthy. They all had that look in their eye, and as I was going by, I was looking at them, and one of them I recognized, and he recognized me, and he said two words to me that one of them I can't repeat in church but you can get the drift. The first word was your. And, and I said, well, welcome to Vietnam. I was assigned to the 1st Marine Division. And our division rear was Dong Ha, which was 10 miles south of the DMZ that separates North and South Vietnam. And they were giving me my combat gear. And I come, I, I come up to get my flak jacket and it was bloody. I said, I'm not putting that on. I did not know where I was getting ready to go. But they gave me a new one and we went up, drove that 10, about nine and a half miles or so to a place called Con, C-O-N, T-N, T-H-E-I-N. We were a mile and a half away from the demilitarized zone. They had us zeroed in. Contin means the hill of three angels. And from January of 1967 to November of 1967, 5,000 Marines were killed and wounded right there, all around it. Quezon was down the road and they were getting theirs too. Why? Because of the political war. We couldn't go into the DMZ. They had their guns behind there. And so here I am, a 19-year-old kid, and just about a year before that, I was going to the Orlando Youth Center and going to the movies, and next thing I know, I'm in the middle of hell. Thought I was saved. With the church this size, more than likely, there are some people in here, could be, I hope not, that think you're saved, and you're not. There's some of you in here that know you're saved. And that's why I'm here today. I survived for this reason, to come here. It just hit me to give you the greatest news, if you're not saved, that you will ever hear. God loves you. He really does. And he'll help you through anything. Come to him today. Don't put this most wonderful gift off that God has offered you that you did not have to pay for. Jesus, I've been to Israel 31 times and I've seen the places that they think Jesus was crucified on. The first time I was there, Jenny was beside me weeping. It was all real. See, the Bible is all real. It's about real people, real time, and real truth.
And I see all those places and they come alive to me. So you, you say one of the places in Israel, I, I don't look at 1 John chapter 6, verse 3. I'm there. It's real. His love for you is real. I don't care who you are, how old you are. Well, we were getting hit by artillery one day really hard. And I thought the, the barrage was never going to stop. And there, were, uh, there was a, a whole hit. Um, there was three Marines in it. One was killed and two were wounded. See, this, is, this life we got here is real. It's not play. Even now, outside this church, it's not play. And I cried out to the Lord, if you'll save me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And then I saw this big gangling first lieutenant of ours that played football for the University of Missouri. His name was Lieutenant Steve Lampo. He ran. I was in the bottom of the hole. I wouldn't have got out of that hole, but this kid did. He, he was probably, what, 24? Running through artillery to get to those wounded Marines of his. He wasn't going to let him die alone. Are you out there? Saving the wounded? That's dying alone? That's why you're in God's army. To go and tell about the love of Christ. That he loves you. Christmas 67 came down. My dad was in Vietnam too. I asked if I could go down and see my dad for Christmas. And I came off like those army guys were when I got to Vietnam. That's what I looked like. And I came in to my dad and he looked at me and he looked at, looked at the look I had on my face. And I looked at him. His, he had spit shine shoes on. You Air Force guys had it easy. Except the pilots. I fell in love with Navy and Air Force and Marine Corps pilots. It's nothing like looking up and see this fighter jet come right over you and he tips his wings to make sure that he's not going to bomb Marines and bomb right out in front of you. Anyway. Uh, I went down to see my dad. And he said, your mother is about to go cuckoo with both of us over here. See, I had more to worry about than what was going on behind me when I was recording those real-to-real messages to my mom. There were bombings. Our artillery was going off. You know what I mean, brother, right? <laughs> and, and I was sending those home. When my dad got home, he threw him away. Because she's sitting and listened to him. And so he handed me a letter when I was going back to Kantian and it said, you're getting out of this country. And every day the Lord would come to me and say, you remember what you told me you were going to do? I said, yes, Lord. So I left Vietnam. Spent the rest of, my, rest of my tour in another dog hole, Honolulu, Hawaii. <laughs> Isn't God good? But I didn't hold my end of the bargain up. Thank God God is faithful, patient, and forgiving. 
got out of the Marines and got a job as an electrician. We, I helped build Disney World. We got through with that. Then we started building hotels up and down I Drive. And I was at what I think it's called the Rosen Hotel today. And I was on top of a six foot ladder hanging a light fixture. And all at once I was singing this. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross whose emblem was suffering and shame. And just at that moment, the Holy Spirit, this has happened to me three times in my life, came and went, he said, Mike, see, you've got a time to be saved. He said, you remember what you told me in Kantian? I said, yes. He said, this is the last time I'm coming to you, son. He knew I said, yes, Lord. And then that yes, Lord, was, oh, God, forgive me for putting this off. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Lord, don't, don't leave me ever again. I, I, wouldn't, I, I will do whatever it is you want me to do. And it was like a bucket of warm honey hit me in the top of the head and flowed down through my body. And it was cleansing me as it went down. And when I climbed down, it was like I got saved between heaven and earth. Amazing. God is so amazing. Amazing. Well, I'm not even using my notes, Pastor. (laughs) So I got saved in January 1973. Now, all of you young people here, listen up. You see all those soldiers and stuff that that wonderful, I, I couldn't even hardly watch it. You know how many young people have died for this country? Since we've been a nation, 1,300,000 plus. That is the population of San Diego, California, or six and a half times the population of Tallahassee have died for this country. Somewhere between the ages of 15 and 30, the most of them have died. How many of you in here are in that age bracket? God bless you. Don't ever let anybody tell you this is not a great country. You have your freedom because of those kids that are laying in the cemeteries today. And many, many, many more of them were terribly wounded, and some of them permanently wounded. I could tell you some stories of the, just think of the most horrible things that can happen and still live. They did, some of them. Today I'm going to tell you about the greatest warrior there ever was. His name is Jesus Christ the Lord. I've been uh, reading Albert Moeller's book called The Parables of Jesus. And it's, it's, a parable is a story that Jesus usually told his disciples. It was for the disciples. And 
It's a very interesting book. If you ever get a chance to read it, it's called Tell Me the Stories of Jesus. The Gospels of Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are nothing more than the story of Jesus and his, his birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He stayed with the disciples and other people on and off for 40 days. And then he came to them at the very last day on top of the Mount of Olives, and I'll get to that in a minute, but he gave them their command. The next book of the Bible is the book of Acts. It's a story about the early church and how the church grew. And these disciples, these 11 disciples, and the 12th one was Paul, the 11 disciples started evangelizing after they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit where God lives in them. Do you realize that if you're a born-again Christian that God lives in you? Why do you say, oh, I don't know if I'm going to... God lives in you. God lives in you. He's the one that says... Up. He said, she spoke the, the worlds and the, and the universes in, into uh, existence. He spoke them. And then he put all the different types of grasses and trees and weeds on there and then filled it full of animals. What a mind. And then he made man after his own image. That's who's living in you. What do you think Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in Philippians? What do you think in 1 John, he said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ because he lives in me. All of us have been saved differently. At different times. I mean, we, we've said the sinner's prayer and gotten ourselves right, but we are all different places, different times. But when we, once we get saved, we jo join the Lord's army. Now, you may be called to pastor or be a Sunday school. How many Sunday school teachers we have in here? Any? Okay. Oh, if I was going here, I'd be recruiting. Hey, sister. They're what? Small group leaders. Small group leaders. I'm one of them too. <laughs> In the Marine Corps, everybody has the same military occupational specialty. I don't care if, you're, if you are a pilot or you work in the kitchen. And it's infantry. It's 0311. That's what my primary was too. All of us have the same... If they, they had a battle in one of our battalions were really in trouble of getting about get run, overrun believe me everybody gets a rifle and they know how to use it when i was in boot camp they taught us to shoot a rifle from 500 yards and hit a bullseye that's what marines do and that's what so many of the others do too not just us now, the Bible is the revealed story of God and his creation. The Old Testament tells us about God's chosen people. 
I'm going to use a sentence here that I thought up one day. The Jews are God's reservoir. Let me put this down here. I'm going to say, the Jews are the reservoir of God's revelation to the world. God chose them and then took them down into Israel. It's not Palestine, it's Israel. And he gave them the Old Testament. That's the revelation of God in the Old Testament. This is the revelation from God during the time of Christ and afterwards. The book of Acts is the history of the first church. Now, if these people in the church, right off of the bat, if the disciples had never gone out, you wouldn't be sitting here today. But they won someone, and the people that they won, they went out and won others. Now, how did this happen? Now, let's look at our scriptures today. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus was almost getting ready to ascend into heaven. He brought his disciples together at the very last moments and said this, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, and go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, there was a similar account of this in Acts, the first chapter, verses 4 through 9. Now, listen to this. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is Jesus speaking. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, now, he's telling them one thing, and that what they're going to do, they're going to ask him questions. They said, Lord, will you, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said, Nunya. You need translation? He said, it's none of your business. Listen to me, he says. It's, it's, this is not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. It all depends on which version or the end of the earth. And when he said these things... They were looking at him, and I guess one asking, are you sure you're not going to say, he went up into the air. Amazing. And then they said, what do we do now? They said, just go back in here in Jerusalem, and we're going to tarry until God gives us, he said he's going to be with us to the end of the age. And they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and Peter said, okay, I've goofed around enough, I've made enough mistakes. Sound familiar? And he said, come on. They went over to the Temple Mount and all these Jews were coming in for uh, the Feast of Pentecost. I've been there. I can, uh, probably he was on the southern steps. All these people and, and Peter would say, this, he told them about Jesus. And he, he preached to them, that one that you killed, he is the Messiah. 
He has been here and he preached a gospel message to them. Some of them thought that they were drunk. Because, no, they were full of God's spirit. And people were getting saved. He said, these are not drunk as you suppose. This is what the prophet Joel was talking about. And 3,000 people were saved that one day from all over the world. See, the Jews are required to come to Israel three times if you're outside of Israel, once in your life. And if you're inside Israel, every year. Three different holidays and Pentecost is one of them. And so when these people, 3,000 got saved, not all of them were from Jerusalem. Not all of them were from Judea or Samaria, but they were from around the world. And guess what they did? They duplicated themselves by telling others about Jesus, that the Messiah had come. Now, you here, your Judea, your Jerusalem, and your Samaria... It's all around you. I saw a, a big poster picture in um, pastor's um, office. And it has a map of all around this church. You know you have over, within two miles you have 45,000 people living around this church. 45,000. Jesus told you to do what? Go. Now, what Jesus told them, go and tell about Jesus. Make disciples like you. Make disciples. And you baptize them. Here's, the, here's where most churches fail. Those that you lead to the Lord, it says here that you should teach them all things I have commanded you to do. When I was in the Marines, when they commanded me to do something, right? This is, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things that were created were created by Him. That's who gave us this command, this charge, to get into the battle. If you stay in here by yourself, it's nice. The people outside this church need what you have. Salvation and fellowship. Are you all brothers and sisters? I don't know you, but I love you. Do you know that there's people that you know that I'll never meet in my lifetime? You say, well, well yeah, but there's people in my life that you'll never meet in my lifetime. But we have the same MOS, right? Go and tell. And if you lead them, go make sure they're baptized. It's part of what Jesus said. Teach them. I'm running everybody out, Pastor. <laughs> they're going out to bring people in. You older guys in here, one of the things I've done in, in the churches that I've been in, I find young people that are very interested, but they don't know where to go to get the answers or questions. And I start mentoring them. And Michael and 
his, his group was the first ones that I started with at, uh, at the Deland Church, Sanctuary Church. Uh, that short time we had together, I taught them Old New Testament survey. I taught them uh, basic theology and, uh, oh, there's one or two more, Christian ethics. And uh, I come in every morning before work, teach from seven to nine, and he, he reminded me this morning that he was one of the students I, I'd forgotten. I'm 74. <laughs> but there was some other kids that used to come to my adult Sunday school class. Yeah, we raised five boys. I like having boys come into the class. Uh, you know, I'd coach baseball and took them out and learned, taught them how to, how to hunt and fish. And so when these young guys were coming, two of them were twins. And uh, Jeffrey Ashcroft was another one. Uh, Johnny, the perpetual teenager, Cronin. <laughs> and one or two more. But they, come into, they came into the adult Sunday school class and I mentored them. You can do this. All of you can do this. There are many young girls that need your direction. Moms, aunts, grandmas especially. Hey, you're never going to get out of God's army. I don't care how old you are. Okay. I better hurry. Oh my goodness. Now, let me tell you a couple stories. This has been a, I know it's been a lot of stories. But a story of a Marine that God had mercy on through hell. Uh, that he survived now and that he allowed me to survive, he saved my soul. And I've had the privilege of working churches, leading people to the Lord, training and, and teaching classes and counseling. And, you know, and I'm a layman. You, can't, you, you might want to say this. I'm just an ordinary person. Now, what I want you to do is look at the person to your left. Now, I'll look at the person to your right. Guess who Jesus chose as his disciples? PhDs? Seminary graduates? The cream of the crop in business? He chose ordinary people. Like me. And you. And you know what they did, guys? In the first century? They turned the world upside down. When they come into town, they say, oh my goodness, there's a bunch that turned the world upside down. Yeah, come here. I want to talk, talk to you a little bit. <laughs> I want to tell you a few things. I got a story for you. There was a guy by the name of Edward Kimball. He was a Sunday school teacher in the 1850s in Boston. And he taught 17, probably 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old boys. And he had a burden for one of the boys. So he goes to where the boy was working. He went into the shoe store and went, said, can I go talk to Dwight? Has anybody heard this story before? So he goes in the back, talks to Dwight Moody, and leads him to the Lord. The next year, Dwight moved to Chicago. And he said, to his pastor after a couple of years, he said, can I go into the ghettos and to the barrios and, and, and start a Sunday school class? And the pastor said, sure. 
Within two years, there were 1,500 kids in his Sunday school class in the 1860s. You know where they were meeting? On a band, in a, an abandoned saloon. Then D.L. Moody started really preaching his pastoring. He took England in one hand, England now, and America in the other hand, and moved them closer to God. And thousands of people were saved. Yeah, in Scotland, England, and Ireland, they were saved. He came back home and, and started the Moody, Moody Institute. But when he was in England, there was a young Anglican pastor by the name of F.B. Meyer. And if any of you ever studied Bible commentaries, F.B. Meyer is in all of them, or a lot of them. F.B. Meyer got turned on for the Lord and on fire for the Lord, and he started preaching. He said, I got to go across to America. And he, he did, and he started preaching in colleges. And uh, he won a guy by the name of Wilbur Chapman to the Lord, a college student. Wilbur Chapman started working for D.L. Moody's Association, evangelizer across the country. And he ran into an ex-baseball player, second base from the Chicago Cubs, Billy Sunday. You need to read these biographies, guys. These are cool biographies of Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday became an evangelist. And everywhere he went, he'd hold religious services, but he tried to get the businessmen together and, and get them involved in their, in, in their communities with the gospel. So he went to Charlotte one day, of all places, and preached. And when Sunday left, the businessmen said, hey, we need to get a revival going on in our, on, in our town. And... Uh, Let's get a preacher. This is a kosher and non-kosher name for a preacher. Mordecai Ham. <laughs> Mordecai started holding a revival down there. And one of the dads brought his 17-year-old son to church. Does anybody know who that boy was? Tell me if you did. Who? Bill, Billy who? Billy Graham. Have you ever... Heard of Billy Graham? That Sunday school teacher who was an ordinary person led one person to the Lord that led another person to the Lord. And now we're talking about, yeah, I know, I've, I've seen him on TV. Right before Billy Graham retired, uh, 1998, we went down to Tampa to Buccaneer Stadium. And he, we went on, uh, on youth night, which was, I mean, it was cool. And Billy got up as an old man and they were all hollering and, you know, out there. he said, he turned his ears. I, I took mine out today. And uh, he, he said, guys, calm down, calm down. That airtime is expensive. But he got behind the pulpit. And oh, my goodness. He preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. And if you wanted to know him, come to the front. And he made the altar call. And I bowed my head, and Jeannie was beside me, and the only thing I could hear was footsteps going down the steps to the infield. I still hear them. And when I looked up, a quarter to a third of the infield was full of young people coming to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Just because one guy by the name of Edward Kimball had enough of Jesus in his heart that he went out beyond these four walls to tell others about Christ.
Oh, will we ever learn? I'm trying to learn. I tell Jeannie I'm going to Walmart, I'm going to go get gas in the truck, and I'll be back home in a few minutes. She goes, hmm. You wouldn't believe who God has put me into the same path of other people. Amazing. I'll tell you one more. That same book by Albert Moeller, I took to the doctor's office this last week. And it's, tell me the stories of Jesus. And the young woman brought me in and said, sit there, and you can put your book over here. And then she goes, tell me the stories of Jesus. I said, oh yeah, that's, that's about the parables of Jesus. She, she says, I said, I'm a Bible teacher. She said, oh! I've been praying that God would send somebody my way to tell me where I can take my children to church. I don't know what, because I asked her, I asked the Lord rather, to open up these doors for me. Have you asked the Lord to do that for you? You're an ordinary person like me. Will come open. My Bible study on Thursdays at my house. I've got a, an ex Marine who was with Georgia Bureau of Investigation and retired um, Chief Deputy of White County. He's there and his wife, a retired NASA worker, a housewife. 95, six, five, five-year-old poet, female poet. She's amazing. She does more ministry. She, right now she's dying. Her name is Beverly Bartlett. Bless her. I love that woman. And she's, such a, she's been such a blessing to the whole Northeast area of Georgia. Can a 95-year-old person? She started this when she's in her 70s and my age. And... Everybody knows Beverly. They love her because she loves Jesus and she tells them about Jesus. We have a church elder. Uh, I mean, it could go on and on. Why? Because we opened our mouth up and said, we have a Bible study at our house. Would you like to come? And find out how to live the most wonderful life that you can imagine. Is everything going to go good? No. But he said, I'm going with you even to the end of the age. Now, believe me, uh, there's, this is full of stories. I, I determined not to do an exe, exegetical study, which means I go into the Greek and try to tell you all of this, but I wanted to keep it plain, clear, and simple. Go and tell. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Ghost. And then the, the, the apostles were saying, and teach them all things I have commanded you to do. You're in an army. You're automatically recruited into God's army when you get saved. There's so many people out there, guys.
that need what you have, need to hear the words that you know that's in your heart and mind. Ask God to send you You could be either the Edwin or the Ed, Edwina Kimball of Tallahassee, of this neighborhood. All of you. Okay, I'm almost finished. Uh, the prayer team, if you'd like to come forward. Where's Michael? They're in the back. Okay. I'm trying to follow directions. It's hard for me to do. Don't fret and say you can't or unable to do what I've just I've just read to you that Jesus said you could. If they could use fishermen and farmers and people who built houses out of stone and furniture out of wood, no seminary graduates. Just people like us. He can, he can use you. Now, remember what I told you when I first got to boot camp. We got called out on the athletic field and we all got in the bleachers. I was sitting beside guys from Harlem, guys from the Bronx. They'd say something to me. I said, what do you say? <laughs> I don't understand that language. <laughs> but we all became brothers. But when that colonel came, I remembered all the teams that I didn't met. I loved baseball. And I wasn't fast enough or good enough. My batting average wasn't that good, I guess. I remember the, some of the things that I did. Should have never done. I regret Oh, how I regret. But when that colonel said to me, when your platoon graduates, some of you will not be here. Are you determined to make it to the end? And as a 17-year-old kid, I grew up. And I said, I will graduate. Now, as a Christian, I'd say, because of you, because of your love for me, because of your forgiveness for me, because of the call you've given me, I will graduate. Now, folks, if you're not here, hear the most frightening words that Jesus spoke I, I'm not the only one that says this. I've read this too in times past. Jesus was given a Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 through 7. And right before the end of his sermon, this is what he said. When you die, when you die, I've heard people actually tell me, well, when I meet God, I'm going to come up to God and say, why? I'll tell you where to go to know that's not going to happen. There was a prophet of God by the name of Isaiah in the sixth chapter. Everybody was like America is right now. 
sinning, want to sin, don't you, you guys stay right here. R.C. Sproul said that uh, the church is not to be a reservation or a ghetto. It's to be a place where people live and thrive and bring others in and grow and grow and grow the kingdom of God. That's what we are to do. But Jesus said that, I can tell you this, when we all come before him, can you imagine coming into the presence of God for the first time in his very presence and live? He is holy. Our mouths will not say anything. Now he did say that some of them would blurt it out. Not everyone, Jesus said, who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Are you hearing me? Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Watch out. Don't believe every prophet that comes by today. I'm telling you, some of them are worth $360 million. Why do you need that much money when there's so much need in the world? Be careful. Did we not prophesy in your name or preach in your name? And in your name drive out demons and your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly. Here's what he's going to say to them. I never knew you. And then Jesus says this last. Away from me, you who practice sin, lawlessness. Now, there's many of us that go to church, every, you know, every now and then or go to church and we're not out there robbing banks committing murder, burning down buildings. But we're not saved. I want you to think about coming and meeting Jesus this morning as your Savior. I'm telling you, I wouldn't trade it for all the gold that this world ever had. They could pile it up as tall is taller than any mountain you can have your gold you can have your silver but give me Jesus that's all I want if you would bow your heads Father you sent your son you didn't have to do that into the world to live a sinless life to spread your word his word and to be killed by evil people and we're part of the evil people you died for the sins of all mankind and they put you on a cross And that last saying, before he died, he said, it is finished. 
He is our atonement. They put him in a grave on Friday, but brothers and sisters, Sunday is coming. And he arose from the grave and he gave the last instructions for the disciples and others and he ascended into heaven. He's not just sitting there. He's making intercessions for those who know him to the Father. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that does not know you or they've got a question about their salvation or if they need prayer, send them this morning, Lord, to these prayer workers. In Jesus' name, I pray. Would you come? Would you come? Before, I don't want to even go and tell you before it's too late. Can I say one more thing and I'll shut up? After I got saved, I got a full-time job at his church, at a church as a janitor. And then they gave me children's church along with it and then bus ministry. And so I, I took it, I quit being an electrician. I thought I was gonna be called to the pastor and I'm not a pastor. I can't give these real long, I, I don't know how. I'm just telling you to come. I know when I joined, I joined. The Lord told me, Go in the Marines, I feel like. I went in the Marines. But you, you, you can come. But I got started taking kids to church on a school bus. I'd go out and visit families, just run them down the neighborhood, my neighborhoods. And said, and I saw kids out front. I'd go in and talk to their mom and dad. Said, can I take them to church and, and, and Sunday school and church and bring them back? And so I, I went up one day to this one kid. He must have been a fifth or sixth grader. I said, Can I, is your parents at home? And they say, he said, no, I, I live with my grandfather. So I, I go up and knock on the door and grandpa will come. He's about my age. And I said, can I take your grandson to church? He said, sure. A couple weeks later, he invited me in. And I'm thinking, okay. He get, put a cup of coffee in front of me. Now listen to this. This is a divine encounter. And the Lord sort of nudged me. I hadn't had all that training. And he said, I said, have you ever known Jesus Christ as your personal savior? And he said, no. I said, okay, Lord, what do I do now? Well, ask him if he wants to. Would you, like to. would you like to know him as your personal savior? He said, yes. I said, this is way too easy. So I said, okay, let's pray. And he asked Christ to come into his life. Seventy-some years old. Jeannie's dad didn't get saved until he was 80 what? 80 what? 89 years old, World War II veteran, put Marines ashore with the Navy. You know what he said in our car once he got back in? Why do men wait so long? Come! I went back to that family 
And there was a number of cars in the driveway one Saturday, and they asked me to come in, and there was a, a lady in there, older lady in there, and, and uh, men and stuff. And the woman said this to me, are you the one who led my brother to the Lord? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, oh, we've been praying for him for 33 years. Never give up. Finish the course. Keep the faith. And when you come before the Lord, he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You talk about an honorable discharge. Now listen to me. Please, if you don't know him, come today. Let us welcome you into the family of God. I don't know how you do it here, but when they come, we usually give them an applause. Praise God. Praise God. Pastor. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.